another riveting Uncle Tom Talks with the man, the myth, the legend, Derek Wilburn. I'm pleased to introduce you to a monstrosity of truth, Derek Wilburn. Hey, hey, hey. Remember that show? Hey, hey, hey. You have to be of a certain age. And probably a certain ethnic persuasion. You don't remember that, do you? Rerun. Hey, hey, hey. Nah, you don't remember. These young kids don't know anything. I'm Derek Wilburn. This is Uncle Tom Talks. This is the a pre-Christmas edition. Let's see, 21st of December. So we're just, what, four days away from Christmas. And I tell you, man, Christmas season is wearing me out. Eating like a hog. I, I've been eating everything I can get my hands on. Oh, my goodness. But today, December 21st, a very special day. It is, of course, the first day of winter. It is the winter solstice. At least I think the winter solstice is today, which means the shortest day of the year. So effective tomorrow, you get a little more sunshine every day. It starts getting longer and longer and longer. And the first day of winter and the winter solstice happens to be the day we celebrate the birth of my oldest child. Our son, our oldest son, was born December 21st. He is 25 years old today. Happy birthday to Connor Byrne, Lieutenant Connor Wilburn. And we're going to be more talking more about my son in a little while because it fits in extremely well with the topic for today's show. And some of you, if you've been following me for a little while, you know about my son. Uh, you know about my son, Connor. He is just an incredible human being, amazing. All of our kids are. He's just the most accomplished because he's the oldest. 2018 graduate of the United States Air Force Academy, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about him as we celebrate his birthday. His ma, he's here to speak, actually. I'm doing the show from my home, and he actually on the other side of that door right there, relaxing, watching some basketball or something like that, uh, waiting for me to finish this so we can have his birthday meal. This show is coming to you live. Oops, this show is coming to you live from, from my studio. However, it is actually produced back at the mothership, and it is produced by a man who is the two-time defending, unbe unde undefeatable, unimaginable, implorable, intolerable heavyweight champion of the world. His name is Apollo Creed. Up, Creed. See, you missed your cue, man. I set you up and you missed your cue. Oh, this is Zach, actually, this time. Yeah, well, you, Zach, Apollo <laughs> Creed, I mean, you're, you're, okay, you're the one time heavyweight defending champion of the world. Uh, yeah, I've got a different producer tonight. Okay, here's what we're going to talk about tonight. The title of the show is Keeping Alive. Liberals. I get so tired of talking about this, but it's it's absolutely true. So some of you may know, if you should, you can jump over to YouTube and check this out. Uh, I, I did a speech at a local board meeting. This, this is back in August, August 12th uh, of this year, uh, that, that caught viral fire. I mean, I've been mean, like blew up. People went nuts over this thing. If you go to YouTube and search my name, you see how to spell my name right there at the bottom of the screen. Search my name if you've never seen it. Um, it's almost long. But I gave a speech um, 
against introducing critical race theory in our local classrooms, and it just caught viral fire. But in that speech, I said that racism in America today would be dead if it weren't for certain people and institutions keeping it on life support. And I actually lifted that from Thomas Sowell. That's a Thomas Sowell paraphrase. And it's true. Racism will be dead and gone. The number of people who care about the color of your skin or my skin is so minuscule, it almost doesn't even bear. You, Most of the people watching this podcast right now, whether you're watching it live or whether it's days after the fact, you're white. Yet you tune in, listen, and watch me for perspectives and news analysis. So obviously you don't have a problem with my skin color or you'd only tune in to watch Max and white people. The majority of white people, I can't back this statistic up, but I'm convinced it's true. The white people in America today, when it comes to race, you just don't care. You, you literally you just don't care. It isn't that you're racist. You're certainly not. It isn't even that you're anti-racist. It isn't that you just don't care. When you walk into a restaurant or a coffee shop or whatever, and the person comes to wait on you and take your order, and he or she is a person of dark skin, you don't even think about it. You're just like, you know, you know let's start off with a couple glasses of wine and some calamari, fried calamari. And, and all you care about is that they bring your food quickly. It's served hot and delicious. And they, they provide you with superior service. And if they do, you leave them a nice tip. You don't even think about the fact that he or she has brown or black skin. You just don't care. But liberals cannot let it go, will not let it go. They simply bang this all day every day and intentional. they are keeping it alive at all costs now i've gotten into the reasons why they keep racism and hatred alive and i'm not going to go into that in this show because this isn't enough time but they're maintaining cattle on a vote farm some of them in political office in academia and some of them in political office as well they they believe it they actually believe it. They, these people want to believe that we live in a, a whole terrible racist nation. They actually want to believe that's true, even though it isn't. Now, when you can explain that, I would like to be the second one to know. Why would somebody want to believe it, especially white liberals? Boy, they, they, you need to repent of your white guilt and white privilege and all this other stuff. They want it to be true. And we got two last week that I'm going to exploit on this show. We're going to talk about two blaring examples that the whole nation saw, if you were paying any attention, of liberals just keeping it alive, just keeping it alive. They are fanning the flames. What I said in that speech on, on, at the school board is racism would be dead if it weren't for certain people and institutions keeping it on life support. And that's true. And I also said, putting CRT into our classrooms isn't combating racism. It's fanning the flame what little embers are left. And that's true. They just fan the flame over and over and over again. America's racist past, the wounds of our racist past will never heal because liberals insist picking at the scab. And that's the only reason. If they, 
they would knock it off. I mean, we've elected a black president. We've had black secretaries of state. We've had black attorneys general. We have house representatives. We have black mayors from coast to coast, black millionaires. We have black billionaires. This would be almost over, but they insist on dragging the KK of 1922 into 2022, even though there virtually is no KK in 2022. It's practically non-existent. When's the last time the KKK did anything of note? When's the last time they burned a cross in someone's yard or lynched somebody or, or actually influenced federal legislation? I mean, the KKK, just, you, you can't find these people. There's so few of them. They'd be lucky to be able to fill up the gymnasium at a community college. There's so few of these people. But to hear that, they're everywhere. And last, we got a big dose of it. Now, the first thing I'm going to break down on this show is a column that appeared in the USA Today on Friday. I do not get the USA. I don't USA Today. I don't read the USA Today. The USA Today, unfortunately has turned into the Huffington Post. It has on its editorial page. It's just sold out leftism. That's all. But it so happens that our daughter graduated from college on Friday, and we were in Grand Junction, Colorado. She went to Colorado Mesa University in Grand Junction. I talked about this on the last show before we took off. It's about a four or five hour drive from my house. Our daughter graduated in two and a half years. Two and a half years. And she her degree, and the minute she a bidding war broke out over her services, she already has a job waiting for her. She's here with us right now, along with my other, my son, uh, just having a season with my family, and then she's going to go back, and she's got a job already, 20 years old, with a job and a bachelor's, because we're not oppressed, and we're not victims in this household. But we were out there, and you know, these, the, a lot of the hotels get the USA Today, so they put the freebie in the in the lobby when you walk by and you can get a free copy of the USA Today. That's the only reason I know this happened, because I I would never pay any money for this newspaper. Friday's USA Today. Can you see this? Yeah, that shows up on screen. So this is Friday, Friday, December um, whatever that was, December seventeenth, and I flipped through the USA Today in the room, which is something I would never otherwise. And here's what I came across. So on the opinion page of Friday's USA Today, this column appeared. Slavery and racial terror still haunt our legal system. Hey, check that title out. Slavery and racial terror still haunt our legal system. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going to break this column down. So I, one of the things I rarely do do on talks is I rarely read a, a lot to you. I normally don't sit and read a whole column because my thinking is that people really don't like being read to. It, it's basically boring. But this is a column I'm actually going to read. I'm going to read this. So uh, let's bring up image number one, first of all. Zach Mixmaster Z. And let, no, image, yeah, okay, image number one. So right down. I'll tell you what, let's go let's go to the let's go to the page first so zach go ahead and put the link up to no to the link to usa to the usa today page the column okay 
So this is that's the live website right there. Now I'm going to read this column to you with some breaks as we go. That I had the distinguished pleasure, displeasure, of encountering on Friday. This on this page they've retitled it. I've seen the smirk before, but this was written by a Howard University law professor named Tiffany Wright. Okay, so this is a person teaching law to our 18, 19, 20-year-old minds. Okay, so here we go. A couple paragraphs. It's been more than a year since I watched, where'd I go? Uh, you can put it up so people can follow along, Zach, if they want to. It's been more than a year since I watched Derek Chauvin murder George Floyd. The many haunting moments from that video. It still strikes me that as Floyd and witnesses pleaded with Chauvin to stop, the then officer and now convicted murderer looked directly into bystanders' cameras and smirked. That dating macabre smile elected a murderer certain that he escape accountability. Okay, why don't you scroll down and follow along, uh, Zach. I'm, I'm on, I just finished the first paragraph. So that <laughs> smile reflected a murderer certain that he would escape accountability. So first of all, Floyd is a dead at the time. So he's kneeling on his neck. Floyd ultimately would die. But he isn't dead at the time, yet this law professor is claiming the smirk on the cop's face is that of a murderer who's certain he'll escape accountability, even though he hasn't done anything yet. The man's still alive. Okay, second paragraph, Zach. I had seen that smirk before. The same bemused grin appears in 18th and 19th century lynching photographs featuring white people smiling as black bodies burned or hung just feet away. Here's what I want you to tune into. Notice how much time Howard University law professor devotes to yesteryear. Okay, notice how many references to the past Okay, follow me on this. How many words end with ED? Lynched, okay? Happened, end with ED. Notice how many times the word were, okay? We were, as in past tense. I'd seen that smirk before. The same bemused grin appears in 18th and 19th century lynching photographs featuring white people smiling as back bodies, black bodies burned past tense, or hung, just feet away. So the smirk on the officer's face, she's seen before in 18th and 19th century photographs. They cannot and will not let the past remain in the past. What manner of evil gave these killers their smiles separated by more than 100 years, the courage to torture and kill, knowing that cameras were watching? The answer lies in a centuries-old system of white supremacy that has rarely punished state assaults on black bodies, and key, and key to this system has been the Supreme Court's insistence on shielding government actors who harm black people from liability. 
to fully grasp the perniscious, I can never pronounce this word, pernicious, perniciousness of qualified immunity, you need to understand the genesis of section 1983, the federal, the federal statute Congress enacted as a remedy for victims of state violence and the Supreme Court's role in destroying it. Ramp white terrorism of black people. The election 1983 began with the institution of slavery. Okay, so we're back in slaves, which incentivized and tolerated unspeakable violence against black people. Tolerated. Passed, the Supreme Court placed its seal of approval on slavery in its Dred Scott decision in 1857. We now live in 2021. Declaring black people beings of an inferior order who had no rights which the white man was bound to respect and putting the nation on the road to war now of course this is all true she's not making this stuff up this is all true but picking the scab of yesterday's racism the civil war in which nearly a million white men laid their lives on the line in defense of white supremacy ended slavery and birthed a period of reconstruction so Nearly a million white men laid their lives on the line of white supremacy, but she makes no mention of those who laid their lives on the line to defeat it. Okay, the North won, and it wasn't a free victory. Men, white men, fought to defend and the freedom of slaves they didn't even know, had never seen, would never see, who lived in states a thousand miles away, that these white men gave their lives to slavery. She doesn't make any mention of that. She only of those who died defending slavery. Freed black people, determined to cast off the vestiges of slavery, established schools and churches, and amassed political and economic power. Three words in one sentence that end with the word with the letters ED. Determined, established, and amassed. Okay, we're still talking about the 1800s. Reconstruction offered a glimpse of a new America that many white people simply would not abide. Southern whites set out to redeem the Confederacy by washing the land in blood. White terrorists burned black schools, burned, destroyed black churches, destroyed, crushed black businesses, crushed defiled, mutilated, and murdered black bodies. The Equal Justice Initiative has documented nearly 2,000 lynchings in the decade following the Civil War. In other words, we're talking about the decade of the 1870s. Lynchings, lynchings were accompanied by massacres that left hundreds of black people dead in communities throughout the South. These crimes were often carried out by state actors, police officers, state militia members, and politicians, and were ignored by Southern states that refused to penalize the terrorists. And that's true 140 years ago, but that's true. Black people resisted the terror. When Congress commissioned an investigation into reconstruction violence, black people risked their lives and livelihood to publicly testify about the horrors they had endured. Led by the Joint Committee to inquire into the condition of affairs in the late insurrection states, 
The Ku Klux Klan hearings represent one of the largest congressional investigations in American history. The testimony spans more than 13 volumes in the congressional record. Hannah Tutson of Florida testified from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet until blood oozed out through my frock on my waist. Betsy Westbrook of Alabama testified that white men attacked and killed her husband in front of her and her young son in their home. Minister Elias of South Carolina testified that Klansmen dragged and savagely beat him. No reason to do true, but it's a hundred years ago. Details differed, but the general stories were the same. White terrorists violently raped, murdered, and assaulted black people, and state governments looked the other way. One, two, three, four, five words in that one sentence alone that end with ED, thus making them past tense. Against this backdrop, Congress, the Ku Klux Klan Act of 1871, through Section 1, now known as Section 1983, Congress armed victims of constitutional violations with the ability to seek damages in federal court. That was a good move by our Congress. Section 1893 was rarely used for nearly a century after its enactment. For black people, testifying against white people in court, much less filing suit, was tantamount to suicide. After black people began to bring suit under Section 1983, during the civil rights movements of the 1990s, the Supreme Court invented the doctrine of qualified immunity. To be clear, Section 1983 makes no mention of immunity. No constitutional requires immunity. The common law at the time of Section 1983's enactment did not recognize qualified immunity. But through its constant stream of qualified immunity decisions, the court tells police officers who, as in 1871, are almost certain to avoid criminal prosecution and are highly likely to face civil liability in state courts that even palpably under unreasonable conduct will go unpunished. Derek Chauvin pleaded guilty with federal charges of violating George Floyd's civil rights, but on May 25th, 2020, the Minneapolis police officer had good reason to believe he'd avoid punishment. He might have been wrong, but most others are not. By consistently protecting state actors from accountability for outrageous conduct, the Supreme Court helped put that statistic, sadistic grin on Shelvin's face. Let's look at that last sentence. So the system worked. Offer, former Officer Shelvin is in prison. He was held accountable for George Floyd's death, which is what we should all want. But what she says is, yes, he was held accountable, but he might not have been. How ridiculous is that? He may have been wrong, but most others are not. By consistently protecting state actors from accountability for outrageous conduct, the Supreme Court helped put that sadistic grin on his face. Notice there are no examples. 
She simply says, by consistently protecting state actors from accountability, the Supreme Court has done this, but doesn't offer any examples other than those examples born out of 1871. And then the image that ran alongside this column in the USA Today is image number one, Mix master Z, let's throw that up there. You put it up once. This is the image. So in the newspaper, which I have in my hand, this is the picture that they put up there. And here's the caption. White and African-American citizens march in 1946 in Washington, D.C. This is a picture from 1946. She just dedicated an entire, I don't know, seven, eight hundred word column to describing the atrocities that occurred in the United States in the 1800s and puts a picture up from 1946 and then concludes this column by saying, even though the officer who killed George Floyd has been held accountable and is in prison, there's a chance he might not have been. And goes on to say that the Supreme Court consistently is protecting state actors from accountability, but doesn't provide a single example of that actually having happened. And I'm not even claiming that it hasn't happened. It has. But this is a column that the USA Today ran. This is the left insisting on continually picking at the scab of yesterday's racist America. She literally penned an article analyzing problems in this country 140 years ago and connects them to today by saying, even though this cop was held accountable, there's a chance he might not have been because 100 years ago, hardly anybody ever was. This is the left insisting on at the scab of yesterday's racist wounds. And they will not stop, cannot stop, do not stop. Now the next thing, so I said there were two events last week. The next event from last week, let me see, where are we on time? Um, I'll tell you what, I'm going to, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna tee this up and then we're actually going to break it down on Thursday. So Uncle Tom Talks will air at 6.30 on Thursday evening. This next one is going to take some time. Uh, and I don't want to keep you in your chairs all night long. Plus, it's my son's birthday and we're having his birthday dinner here pretty soon. But I'm going to tee it up. So last week, Joe Biden gave the commencement address, the graduation speech at South Carolina State University. South Carolina State University is an HBCU, it's a historically black college university that just like all the other HBCUs, Trump tremendous things for increased funding, was one of the best friends HBCUs have ever had in the White House. Of course, he gets no credit for that, but that's another story altogether. Joe Biden goes and gives the commencement address at South Carolina State University. And I've got, I've, I've clipped about nine minutes out of his speech that I'm going to play on Thursday and we're going to analyze it. So I heard a great commencement speech on Friday last week. My daughter's commencement speech. They chose the head football coach. I never met the man, great big black guy. 
Southern black from Houston uh, coach, right? He's got a coach his voice checks uh full of energy just just I, I was ready to put my shoulder pads and get in there but his speech was all about the students and the opportunities in front of them and the job that they did the work that they did to get to where they are and congratulating them on the accomplishment of earning a degree now go forth and make your mark in the world just the sort of stuff you want to hear just inspirational just great stuff where do you hear biden's speech when I play it on Thursday. What do you think he talked about? Racism, KKK, Republicans and Trump. Okay, none, none, of, none of the, it was all about that agenda, not about the people sitting in front of him about to earn a degree. So I'm gonna break that down on Thursday. I just made a command decision, Zach. We're gonna do that on Thursday instead of today, because it's gonna take a while. The clip itself is nine minutes long, and with me stopping it and starting it and adding my commentary and stuff, it's gonna be at least double that. And I still want to get to my son, and we still have to do real fake headlines. So to keep the show from being an hour and a half long, we're going to move ahead. And I mentioned earlier that today is my son's birthday, and it is. My oldest son is one of the greatest human beings I know. His brother and sister are as well. Just My kids are just incredible, just amazing people. Straight-A students, athletes, beautiful. They're all vice president, president of their class, student council. Uh, both of my boys are active in Civil Air Patrol, earned the Amelia Earhart Award, which is the Civil Air Patrol equivalent of becoming an Eagle Scout. And they both did it before their junior year of high school ended. Just amazing people, active in church, play multiple instruments in church band, just incredible people. Our oldest son received a congressional appointment to the United States Air Force Academy, graduated in 2018. And I'm going to show you some pictures. It's his birthday. I'm incredibly proud of him, but I'm making a point. I began my speech at the school board by saying, I'm not oppressed. I am the direct descendant, a direct descendant of the transatlantic slave trade. Both my parents are black. All four of my grandparents, all eight of my grandparents, all 16 of my great, great grandparents, which is as far back as I've ever traced it. As far as I know, on both my mother's side and my father's side, we are in this country because our ancestors were brought here against their will on a slave ship. I'm legit. I'm the real deal. And I am not oppressed. Nothing is oppressing me. I'm not a beneficiary of America. I live in the greatest country in the world. And I've raised a beautiful family here. And my oldest son has an incredible life. Oh, oh, oh. Not only is today his birthday, yay, he proposed to his girlfriend, and she said yes, and he slipped the ring on her finger. So I'm at that age now. Right now, now this is starting to happen. In fact, my daughter and her boyfriend were here over Thanksgiving, and he, he proposed to her. So now both of my kids are engaged. Is it good to be me or what? But uh, Zach, let's bring up, let's bring up image number. Five. All right, let's put image number five on screen. This is my oldest. Uh, beautiful kid, beautiful person. Graduated in 2018. Upon graduating from the Air Force Academy, he went on into pilot school. Let's go to image number six. So here he is in one of the trainers. Uh, this is at the academy, uh, just one of the smarters. And then graduated in 2018, so go. 
Uh, let's go to number seven. So there's his graduation picture in front of a fighter jet. Went from there to pilot school. So after getting a world-class education at the academy, goes on to pilot school, gets another $200,000 education paid for by you people watching this show. Thank you very much. Image number eight. This is a T-1. That jet's called the T-1. That's a, a, a it's like a Lear jet sort of a thing. Uh, one of the trainers that they did trained on in the process of earning their wings. And let's move on to number nine. Here's a day in the life of, okay, this, this, that, that's my boy right there. Not a bad life. And then let's move on to the last, last picture. And this is the two of us uh, at his graduation. So there's my son and I. Now, here's what I want to tell you about my son. Today's his birthday. Yay. He got engaged. He has an incredible life. Uh, he's currently stationed uh, stateside at an air base. He bought his first house earlier this year. He has two vehicles. Actually, he has one because he just he just sold his sports car. But he had a little sports car, a little Subaru WR pocket rocket kind of thing, and a pickup truck. Paid cash for them. Has his first house. Has a lieutenant's paycheck is responsible for a $30 million aircraft all before his 25th birthday. Now, you tell me how that young man is oppressed. How is the United States of America oppressing him? The United States of America paid for him to get an education, taught him how to fly jets, and he now has an incredible life in the most incredible country in the world. So anybody who comes around talking about you, know, you just you, you're, you're oppressed and black, America's just oppressing black people. I know better. I know better is because the antithesis of that narrative came forth from my own household. Worked hard in school, took tough classes, got, stayed on the straight and narrow, kept his nose clean, and has an amazing life right now. And he's black in America, just like me. So I'm not trying to hear it. And I had somebody tell me, well, that's because you live in Colorado, which is a state with hardly any black people, which is true. Colorado, the, the Colorado, I think is about six and a half percent black, whereas the nation is 13. So we're about half. But here's the thing. If that's the truth. And it is that Colorado is a white state, much whiter than Illinois, you know, than some other states, then you would think the oppression here would be worse. Right. If the oppression is Caucasian society holding down black society and you live someplace where it's majority where the Caucasian majority is even bigger, then there should be more oppression, not less. The only thing oppressing me is sitting right in between my own two ears. And that's true of everybody else. There's not some magical force floating around. It's been here for 120 years. It's floating around in the United States, oppressing you because of the color of your skin. No, what's oppressing you sits in between your own ears. And if you buy that narrative that I'm a victim, I can't get ahead, this country hates me, uh, there's white supremacy is everywhere, and there's just no way I could guess what, then that's your future. That's where you're heading. My kids taught them just the opposite, and I just showed you where they are. So I'm not trying to have it. Now, 
So all that's to say, uh, come back on Thursday, mark it, put it on your calendar. If you didn't hear this, this speech, oh my goodness. So Trump used to call Biden Sleepy Joe, and this speech is evidence of why Trump used to call him that. Just not a very riveting speech or speaker. But uh, we're going to break this thing down. I'm going to tear into about 10 minutes of that and give you some commentary. Uh, and this is going to really reveal to you the truth. That I opened the show. And what I opened with is that racism would be dead today if it weren't for certain people and institutions keeping it on life support. And liberals will not let it die. Won't let it die. Bring it up every chance they get and hammer us with it. Racism, racism, racism. And in this speech, in front of an all-black audience, is where they do it the most. When they get invited to speak at Hillary or whomever, invite NAACP conventions, get up there and do is tell audience how bad you've got it because you're black. See, I didn't do that with my kids. I won't do that with so that's Thursday, 6.30. Be back here if you want to hear that breakdown. But between now and then, we have got to go to the internet game show that is sweeping the world. It's called Real Fake Headlines. So we close the show. I close the show every podcast with Real Fake Headlines. If you're here live, if you're watching this live right now, get your fingers ready to type into the chat because you have a chance to win a date with King Kong. The winner tonight gets a date with King Kong. I'm going to set that up personally. Real fake headlines. Here's how it works. So I have four headlines that I'm going to roll out right now. Three of these are real. Three of these headlines came from some news source that I found on the Internet. One of them is fake. I made it up. Your job is to identify the fake. So identify the fake successfully. Type it in the chat. Uh, Mixmaster Z, my producer, is going to have to tell me what you are typing because I can't see the chat room from where I'm sitting. But if you correctly identify the fake, I have a direct line in to King Kong's agent, and we're going to have you and the king sit down for lunch of bananas and mangoes. Okay, you ready? So real fake headlines. Headline number one. Remember, all you got to do is pick out the fake one. Headline number one. All right. Vermont city deteriorates after defunding police. Critics fear racist label for speaking out. Headline number two. Pentagon unveils new extremism rules, including potential punishment for social media likes and shares. Okay, so not for what you post to your social media, just for liking what somebody else did. Pentagon unveils new extremism rules. Okay, headline number three. Pelosi faces pushback over stock trade defense. All right, and number four. Biden aid claims all living things should be vaccinated. Now, we don't have any qualifications for that. I presume this person, if this isn't fake, I presume this person doesn't mean or whatever. I mean, bacteria are living things, but uh, dogs, cats, birds, anything that could be a carrier, vaccinated. 
okay so get your votes in here we go i'm going to give it to you one more time real fake headlines here's number one vermont city deteriorates after after defunding police critics fear racist label for speaking out headline number two pentagon unveils new extremism rules including potential punishment for social media likes or shares headline number three Pelosi faces pushback over stock trade defense. And headline number four. Biden aid claims all living things should be vaccinated. All right, so if you think you know what it is, all you have to do is in the chat room type one, two, three, or four. You don't have to type the whole headline, just put in one, two, three, or four. Mix Master Z. Producing this show on the mothership. We'll keep an eye on things for a minute or two here. Vote one, two, three, or four for your chance to have bananas and mangoes with King Kong. All right, Zach, let me know. Anybody voting? Do we have any votes? I am checking right quick. This is King Kong, folks. Okay, he just did Dukes with Godzilla. Talk about six degrees of separation. You could know a guy who knows Godzilla. How many people can make that claim? We got a couple votes for number two. Okay, so we've got two people who believe the Pentagon unveiling new extremism rules is the fake. Number two is Pentagon unveiling extremism rules, including potential for social media likes or shares that's number two yeah, anybody people, want to take a chance on I was one say people are banking on two okay two is where it's at right now all right give it another couple seconds king kong everybody we got okay. one three if you have no, one, three. All right. If, if, if you have lunch with King Kong and you manage to get that guy's business card, honey, I'm telling you, doors are going to open for you. You, you want to win this contest. You struggle just to get some food? All right. So bets are in on two and three right now, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, here we go. All bets are locked. Let's put up headline number one, which nobody thinks is fake. Vermont City deteriorates after defunding police. Critics fear racist label for speaking out. Mix Master Z, would you please put image number two on screen? That's real. So headline number one is real. This comes from Fox News, which is probably why nobody falls for it. I, I gotta stop pulling stuff from Fox News because a lot of these people probably watch Fox News or read Fox News. But uh, I've got it on my side now. A Vermont city is, you know what Senator the great gave us? 
Bernie Sanders of Vermont City is paying the price of slashing its police force nearly 30% amid the defund the police movement that spread across the country in 2020. We're in a situation that I think nobody wanted us to get to. Burlington Councilor Zoraya Hightower, who introduced the defending the police force last year, told NBC News. So she introduced it, and now we're in a place we didn't want to be. Burlington, a majority white college town near the Canadian border, flashed its police force by almost 30% by attrition. Hightower solution last year was partially written active group called the Vermont Racial Justice Alliance and includes suggestions such as decreasing the number of officers from 105 to 74. Uh, in here somewhere is the statistics on how much crime has gone up, but uh, I can't find it now. There's no need. Uh, of all the don't do well with logic. Yeah, I just don't understand people who can't grasp simple logic. Regardless of your political idea, how can you not reach the logical conclusion in your mind of what getting rid of police, defunding them, reducing their 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 equipment, you know, the things they have available to them. How how can you not know where that is going to lead? How can you not know? It's just illogical to say we want safer communities and we want to get there by having fewer police on the streets. That just doesn't make any logical sense. But these cities are going around doing it. And they're paying the price. And I don't feel sorry for them. I do feel sorry for the innocent victims. But sometimes you end up sleeping in the same bed that you pee. Headline number two. Pentagon unveils new extremism rules, including potential punishment for social media likes and share. Those of you who put your money on number two, you are losers. You did not win. This is a headline from Stars and Stripes. Uh, Stars and Stripes, a very uh, news site. Uh, this is absolutely true. This is published December 20th. This was published yesterday. Service members who overtly support extremist groups or ideas attempt to recruit others into such ideology or train, organize, trade in support of an extremist view are to face face punishment under news published by the Pentagon on Monday. Uh, jump over to Stars and Stripes and read this for yourself sometime if you want to, but needless to say, I don't have to tell you who the Pentagon is viewing as the extremists here. Do or do, I don't need to tell you that. Here, here's a hint. Okay. That makes me an extremist. They aren't looking for jihadists in the ranks of our military. They aren't looking for Antifa in the ranks of our military. They're looking for people who click like or share on put up by a pro-Trump group. That act in and of itself 
will make you an extremist. Be punished by the United States military, the U.S. Pentagon, because that's who's running the Pentagon. Headline number three. Pelosi faces pushback over stock trade defense. This is real. This is on the Hill. I found this on the Hill. I think this is also from yesterday. And if you don't know what this is about, Democrats, click over to the Hill sometime and read this. Democrats are pushing back on Pelosi, even as much as Republicans. Basically, basically, Pelosi, members of Congress should not be able to use the information they have to purchase stocks and enrich themselves. And Nancy Pelosi, who is worth somewhere in the neighborhood of $200 million, has made a lot of money in the stock market since she's been in Congress. A lot. So the way this works, I'll read a little bit of it. Uh, Nancy Speaker Nancy Pelosi is facing pushback from some members of her own party for defending the practice of members of Congress trading stocks while in office. So she's defending this practice. When asked about a Business Insider report, find dozens of lawmaking staff have violated a law to prevent insider trading. Pelosi last week said that they should all abide by disclosure laws, but maintained, quote, we are a free market economy. They should be able to participate in that, close quote. In response, Representative Abigail Spanberger, Democrat Virginia, tweeted, quote, no, cannot be a perk of the job for members to trade on access to information, close quote. Representative Dean Phillips, D, Minnesota, one of the wealthiest members of Congress, thanks to his business career that included leading his family's as well as the gelato brand Talenti, echoed, quote, I disagree with the speaker, close quote. Representative Andy Kim, Democrat, New Jersey, who represents one of the most competitive districts in the nation, wrote, quote, I strongly disagree with Pelosi's stance. Americans are losing trust in government, and we need to show we serve the people, not our personal political self-interest, close quote. There's no reason for members of Congress to hold and trade individual stock when we write major policy and have access to sensitive information. There are many ways members can invest without creating actual or appeared conflict of interest, like thrift savings plans or index funds. Close quote, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. So our elected representatives are banking and Pelosi herself has done it. So here's how this works or here's how this can work. All new cars in the United States of America as of today as of 2019, I think, maybe 2018. It's been a couple of years. If you buy a new car in America today, it has a backup monitor. So there's a screen right there on the dashboard, and there's a camera mounted by the license plate. 
and you put it in reverse and the screen pops on, right, the backup camera, you may or may not know, you probably know, this is law. All cars sold in America today have to have that. Well, if you vote to pass that law, or you see that law is coming down the pike, it has a pretty good chance of passing. All you have to do is to have your son, if you're if you're a legislative member, have your son buy a whole bunch of stock in companies that make backup cameras, right? Because by law, they're about to receive a windfall. Okay, this, this law is probably going to get passed next year. Call up your son, buy 600,000 shares of some little company that makes backup cameras that nobody's ever heard of for $1.19 a share. Five years later, those shares are worth $50 a share. And boom, through your son, vis-a-vis -vis your son, you just made a pile of money. And I wouldn't say they all do it because not, that's not accurate, but a lot. And Pelosi is basically saying, yeah, well, we need to be able to participate in the market too. And it's no coincidence that Madam Speaker is worth $200 million. And that leaves headline number four. Biden aid claims all living things should be vaccinated. Don't think anybody, did anybody pick four, Zach? Did I fool everyone this week? I think you did, sir. I'm the greatest of all time. So that was real fake headlines. Three real and a fake. Every single, the fake was number four. King Kong will not be watching you eat a Cobb salad next week. However, I'll be watching King Kong in a matter of moments because we're going to have my son's birthday dinner. And then my whole family is going to pile into our, our great room over here. And we're going to watch Godzilla versus King Kong on DVD uh, to celebrate my son's birthday. Can't wait. So come back Thursday. Thursday, we're going to break down Joe Biden's commencement speech at South Carolina State University. You don't want to miss that. Like, click, share, review. If you're on Apple Pocket, wherever you're getting this thing from, please give me a review or two. That's how we gain traction, gain audience. I'd like to think I've got a few things to say that people want to hear, but they can't hear it if they don't know that Uncle Tom Talks doesn't exist. So please do what you got to do. Text, uh, put that text number up there, Zach. I don't have it committed to memory. What is it? You got it there? Almost. Almost. It's coming. As soon as he puts that up there, I'm going to sign off and go enjoy time with my family. I hope you come back on Thursday. Oh, and on Thursday, we'll have an all-new round of real fake headlines. Nobody won the lunch with King Kong tonight. But Thursday's prize is going to be even bigger and better than that. I want to promise you. It's going to be huge. All right, Mixmaster Z, hit the music. I want to go have dinner with my family. I'll see you all on Thursday night at 630. Sounds good.